Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other two are just along for the ride. We are here with uh, the GM of the Blake Street Banter, Henry. What's up? What's up? Also known as Scraxy. And then we got Tyler, the blogger, who is going to be officially known as our minor league expert. And part of the Department of Analytics and Laundry, especially. Gotta love that shirt and love that love the story and meaning behind that. I like that. Um, let's dive in. Let's dive in. Let's get into it. GM Scraxy is up. You got your hat on? You ready to go? Yep. The, the, uh, the Cubs SB Nation site, Bleed Cubby Blue, is wanting Herman Marquez. And they listed out why they threw Coors under the bus again, blah, 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 and how he's not a good fit, but we'll talk about that right. right now. They mentioned some names and stuff on there. Are you in? Are you out? Are you accepting? What's the dealio? First of all, I'm going to say this trade offer isn't terrible. Like, I've seen much worse than this. At the very least, they're going to they offer their top prospect in Braylon Marquez, right? Funny Marquez for Marquez. Give us what is the offer? The offer is Braylon Marquez and either one of Cole Roderer or Nelson Velasquez. And then finally, to round it out, they say another pitcher saying Corey Abbott. Okay. And so, what makes this an above average? option well i will say like (laughs) i am not going i would not accept this but at the very least once again they did offer at least braylon marquez right they're offering a top prospect i've seen other sites say that he's marquez is not worth a top prospect which is kind of crazy yeah i don't know how they come up with that stuff yeah but with that said like as much as there is a top prospect in this deal the other supporting pieces are just quite not enough for what kind of contract Marquez has and what kind of performance he's had, right? We know it's about as he can get strikeouts. I think he's one of the best strikeout pitchers in Rockies history, as I recall, right? And if there was any, normally doesn't have any walk issues. This year, he had that one terrible start against the Giants, but otherwise he's been solid once again at walking, at not walking guys, sorry. And pretty much doesn't give up home runs, doesn't really give up hits, easily the ace of our rotation, right? That should probably, oh yeah, and all with a really good contract. He's gone team control for four years, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm actually going to quickly see that. Yep, four years of team control, all for a bargain deal. This is not, this is more, much more worth than one top 100 prospect and like two decent guys. Either... Like, I made a deal with the Jays that had one top prospect and one former top prospect and then another intriguing piece. And for the Cubs deal, as much as Braylon Marquez is great, he's the supporting pieces are not enough. Roder's okay, but I'm not very confident in that deal. <laughs> well, and I would add with, with the Cubs Marquez that, I mean, he's got a great fastball. Like, I, I think MLB Pipeline gives it an 80 grade, but I think he walks, like, roughly a guy every other inning like which would not be ideal for cores um so even though yeah i think he's a great like centerpiece he's you need you need more quality i think behind him like you were saying yeah what would you rebuttal with kind of putting you on the spot there i i'm not actually very confident with how the cubs like how their their prospect system right i don't think they have truly anyone that's going to be like absolutely 
game breaking, I guess you could say that could come back. Okay. But I do there are other top there are other top prospects and Brennan Davis and they also got Miguel Amaya. They could both be decent course fits because as much as I do love Drew Romo, for example, we can't really it's not a good idea to put all our catcher chips into one guy. So Amaya might be a good idea there. And at the same time, Brennan Davis, just a really balanced guy overall. If you look at his grades, everything's at 55 except for his run tool, which is graded at 60. So right. just a really solid prospect overall. So there's a few options that you would work with if the Cubs came calling. Yeah, there's yeah. some options. Nothing crazy, but I definitely there's some potential to work out a trade. And I'm very I'm this is just an out loud question. I'm wondering when Herman Marquez is going to get his credit. Like when is he actually going to be recognized as a top tier ace type pitcher by everybody outside of the 303 area code? Like it's just he's still fighting for respect and I don't get it. Like, did you see last night against Seattle? Like, that's every day. Come on. It's, it's exhausting. What's unfortunate is I think if if the Rockies were able to make, like, some more postseason appearances, like, between 17 and, say, 19, and he made a couple pretty notable starts, I think that really would have put him on the map. But I don't even really remember what his postseason performances were like. I mean, I know they weren't disastrous by any means, but I think that would have helped him a lot. Yeah, the postseason always helps build build stock. Um, he had one postseason in 2018, uh, pitched one game. He got the loss, but allowed two runs over five innings, five strikeouts. Like it was against the against the Brewers. All right, let's um, let's dive into the future. So you'll hear throughout this week, we are talking to pretty much somebody from every minor league system and. Because hope is needed. We need hope right now because what we see up in 20th and Blake, it's not, it's not great right now. So Tyler, give us some of, let's start, let's start negative. Let's start on the downside of the minor leagues. What are you seeing so far? Give us two or three uh, things to be super concerned about right now. Um, well, I guess <clears throat> just a quick one, and I guess this isn't a concern, um, but Ryan Rollison had yeah. to get his appendix removed, which, we, I don't know if we would have seen him by now, but I think there's a good chance we would have seen him before the end of July um, had this not happened. But it's going to take him a long time, A, to get back to throwing, um, but B, to get back into, like, game shape, I guess. And it's got to probably make three or four starts down in the minors before you even consider bringing him up. So maybe we don't see Ryan Rollison on 20th and Blake this year. That's kind of a downside. But in terms of legitimate concerns I guess I'd say the number one for me is Ryan Valade and I not that he's by any means like a concerning prospect but the power just has not been there for the last year or two uh, of his of the minors at least back in 2019 the same kind of things were there and Keith Law the athletic main prospect guy he actually cited like bat speed concerns with him and when I saw that I was kind of like I mean sure he hasn't like been hitting for power but I don't know if he he's a guy who like when he was drafted, I remember seeing on on MLB Network tape of him winning a home run derby at Wrigley Field like the guy was drafted for his power, but we haven't quite seen that. And this year, I think his slug at Albuquerque is like below 400. So 
that is a little concerning um, whether he's going to be like a really quality everyday guy or not. Like he's got to hit for some power, um, but he's still, he's still getting on base at a pretty healthy rate. He draws good at bats. So nothing too worried, uh, not, not too much of a reason to be worried, but would love to see him get the ball out of the park um, in the gaps more. Um, and then I think. Another- that. Uh, so I'm looking at his stats real quick. The biggest thing for me, and I think about these with these young guys, like the power, like you're touted as power guy, right? But then you also have to keep it in perspective. Dude man went from a high A to no ball to triple A all within, you know, 18 months. Like he's he's got to adjust. And I think those adjustments will sooner or later turn into power. Like just you going from high A ball to triple A ball, like there's got to be adjustments made. Skip double A. Yeah, he skipped. Yeah, he just said straight up and with the 2020 pandemic stuff, his walk rate and his K rate are about the same. So hopefully that that power, you know, comes back to when he's more comfortable with doing what he's doing. Like, yeah, you, and, like you said, but in, in 2019, it kind of looked like oh, this, he's he's Ryan Vallade. He's going to get on base at a high rate. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. So I think he'll I think he will get back to that. But um, seeing that when Keith Law said that scouts have been worried about his bat speed, um, and seeing that kind of backed up with the stats, it is a little, it's something to, to pay attention to for sure. But I think there's a good chance he's just really focused on, on drawing good at bats, getting the ball in play rather than selling out for power. So I, I wouldn't say it's something that we got to drop his stock way down, but hopefully we do see some, some turn uh, in the fortune for him. But the next downside I would say and this is kind of similar to Valade that he's he's really jumped through the minors is Hell Chris Olivares. Um, he went from rookie ball to high A. So, I mean, that's kind of a tough transition, but um, kind of the same story with him. Um, just well, same story that's been with him his entire career. Like command isn't sharp. And it's kind of funny because he's touted for having a really smooth and repeatable delivery, which usually translates to command um, and consistent command. But he just hasn't had that. Um, Basically, every other start is a, is a great one. And then the next one, he gives up like five runs in four innings. Um, walks have been somewhat of an issue. So hoping to see Olivares get back on track. But again, he's 20 facing guys who are on average like 22 years old. So um, I think there's there's a lot of hope still with him. Would love to see him turn it around because he is on the 40 man. Um, and that clock has already started ticking. He's got um well, after this year he'll have two options I imagine that he'll be on the roster in two years but it's it's something to take note of too and then finally um Brenton Doyle and Aaron Schunk at uh Spokane neither have had the the ideal start to the season both are are some of the top prospects in the Rocky system especially on on the offensive side of things um Schunk had a really slow start to the year but he's turning things around so I guess he's starting to wipe those concerns um, and then Brenton Doyle, kind of like Olivares, went from rookie ball at Grand Junction straight up to Spokane. So that's that's a pretty tough transition, uh, big gap in talent uh, between those two leagues. But nothing to be too concerned about, but would love to see some of the top prospects in the system really uh, trend up. I think we've seen a lot of guys kind of stagnate and even drop down a little. But other than Drew Romo, I don't know if anyone has has really, like, increased their stock. Yeah, it's it's – kind of few and far between right now the um little spoiler alert Doyle and Shunk we talked to Mike Boyle um you'll tune back in on Thursday he um he talked about each one of those and Shunk actually 
got injured and has been kind of fighting injuries in and out all season. So I think that's part of his issue trying to come back with that. And he's, he says some good things about Doyle too. So there are uh, downsides the, on the upswing. You got to love the tools with Doyle. Like he's, he's got a chance to be a really special player. Um, and considering he came from a D2 school too, he just doesn't have that much experience against like the competition that he's facing right now. So right. definitely got to be patient with these guys um, and hope for a really positive second half. Right. Scraxy, you trying to swing either one of those away for anybody? GM Scraxy. Um, I don't really have anything else to add in terms of like, if anyone's str- not struggling, but you put on this list, I think they're all pretty st- struggly if that's a word, <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I think we were raving about Brent Doyle a little bit, and I still believe in him just as much. I've either had people say he's like, he's a D2 guy and he's not going to be much, or I've seen people say he's going to be the next superstar at Coors Field. So there's just a whole wide range of options of what Doyle could be. Mm-hmm. The uh, the word in Spokane, it's, it's up. It's yeah. I want to watch the Spokane Indians game i need to get on milb tv when they're actually being televised all right give us your three risers um but yeah the risers mostly consist of of the starting pitching and that's been the the main storyline to me for the farm this year is just a lot of guys in that lower tier of like the top 30 top 40 uh starters are trending up i think the top one for me is ryan feltner i think he was a fourth rounder in 18 2018 um maybe 2017 we'll get back on it um he kind of had a had a rough go of it in 2019 and it's like is is ryan feltner kind of falling off a little bit because he wasn't a good college performer um struggled with control and and everything like that so there were kind of some worries after 2019 but he's looked incredible this year fastball sitting in the mid upper 90s um has a good slider changeup was was touted by um the scouts at Fangraphs like Kylie McDaniel and um so I think he has three quality pitches to work with and he's at double a right now I think he, had, he pitched last night and had like I think he pitched five shutout um so he's he's looking really good there's a chance that he is a guy who debuts this season but if not I think it's almost a guarantee he'll be on the 40 man um this this offseason yeah. Uh, but my next let Ryan, me let me throw some stats out there real yeah, quick so yeah. feltner mike got back he has a round four draft pick from ohio state 2018 and then feltner like you said two starts at least according to milb.com 10 innings 10.2 innings 0.84 era uh with the only seven hits allowed one run in in those 10.2 and he was dominant as all get up and spoke in yeah, so to go to be dominant at both levels just shows that he's he's dialed in right now. Um, so there's a lot to like with him. My next riser would be Mitch Kilkenny, uh, second round pick from I think the same year, if I'm not mistaken. If you could check on that, Aaron, I Mike's think on it. Mike's on it. 2018 second rounder, um, and had Tommy John straight after the draft, so you didn't get to see him uh, for a while, but. He's, he's looked the part so far this year, just was too good for, for Fresno at, at class A, got the promotion to Spokane. And I think he's just been doing the same thing there. He's got great control, great command. Doesn't have like that stuff that's going to blow you away, but he, he basically has like fifth starter innings eater written all over him. And those kind of guys are valuable to, to your roster. Um, and like worst case, he ends up as a solid, like multi-inning reliever. Um, 
but I like what he's done this year um, to, to live up to the second round stock or the second round pedigree. Um, yeah. Can you confirm that 20? He's a 2018 second round compensation pick. Okay. 76th um, overall. Yeah. So he's one of those guys that when you pick him, it's like, you're hoping that he really extends your starting pitching depth. And that's finally what he's doing now. Uh, but for my final riser, this is someone that I think a lot of Rockies fans are already familiar with because he's gotten a lot of hype is Bryling Eusebio. Um, I think he's been in the organization for like six or seven years. Um, it's He's had a, a long journey. It's been up and down. He has, he's had Tommy on um, still at class a, but I think he's, I think he'll be getting promoted soon. I mean, we talked to Steven Rice the other day and he had nothing but like really good things to say about him. Like in the clubhouse, he's a leader. He's the guy connecting um, the, the players like Eddie Diaz, who don't um, have a lot of experience in, in the United States and speaking English. He's the guy who connects them to the rest of the clubhouse. Um, but also just as a pitcher, he's looks really good. Um, has a developed arsenal. I mean, he has, a, he's an older guy, so he has a lot of experience to be refining pitches. Um, and he's been just dominant down at class A too. Uh, I think he's someone that could fast track from this point on from class A could be in the bigs in an, in like a year or two. So those are, those are the main three guys I'm looking at. Um, all, all could be starting pitching depth in the next couple of years at course field. So gotta love that for a team that's been a little devoid of, of depth. Right. Eusebio is what 50, he has 50 Ks and 47 innings, 4-0 record, 2.66 ERA. The, like the numbers are down there that he should be moving up real soon up to high A ball. But like, and he's a good clubhouse guys. I remember like uh, talking to Hirsch and Francis, they were saying there's Spilly was the guy and um, Yorvit were the guy that was connecting the Latin groups with the, with the other groups. And it, when Rice was telling us about this, Eusebio seems like that, that middle guy that, that can join all the groups together and bring that, bring that com com camaraderie together, camaraderie, camaraderie. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Uh, he's, he's definitely on my radar now too. Just hearing his name a lot more in these last weeks. It's cool. Yeah. Those, those kinds of clubhouse guys. I know on, I think on Rockies Twitter, we all love to talk about like clubhouse presence in like an ironic way that the Rockies love to have guys who are the clubhouse yes. presences, but even though it's, it's sort of a, a, a joke, but you saw Carlos Gonzalez and Gerardo Parra leave. And I think, they left a serious void behind in the clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, even though you can't quantify that kind of stuff, um, it's it's important. So love to hear positive things about guys in the clubhouse. Yeah, for sure. Got anything on those? How, what's their value like, Scraxy? They they have, they have value? I mean, they they are kind of early in their career, like early, quote unquote early, just more like they're in low levels, so they don't really have too much value, but they're definitely shooting up. I will say, though, just in general, having these three risers are we really needed that after Pint retired, after being a bust, really. Tyler, Robert Tyler, Mike Nickerak, those three retired and that pretty much left a big hole because we were expecting those guys to be huge, but they didn't at all turn out well. So to have these guys rise, come out of, I would say come out of nowhere, but, you know, not be as highly touted, right? It's just super important and I wouldn't say it's like a franchise saving thing or anything like that, but it's just huge. Yeah. It gives us like the, I think the theme of today is hope gives us hope and things to look forward to and not expectations are incredibly high on these guys. So if they give us anything, right. Like it's, it's a good thing. 
I mean, minus maybe Feltner might have some expectations, some weight, but it's just hope. What are we, how are we getting through this until we win the World Series in 2027? Uh, just how are we going to get there? And I think some big things too is you, like, even though these guys are at the lower minors, we're just seeing that uh, between Fresno and Spokane, you have just a lot of talent and you haven't seen that in the Rockies minor league system much over the last few years. So to see these two lower level rosters, just full of talent gives you, it gives you some hope. So yeah, we, we have some things to look forward to um, with tempered expectations. <laughs> and Bradley Eusebio is such a sweet name. I like Feltner too. Feltner is a cool baseball Yeah. Name. So many nickname options. <laughs> Love our nicknames here. Uh, all right, more future talk. Let's dive into it. Um, first round of the 2021 Yep, draft. So last time, Scraxy, you came on. You gave us your three picks. You, you dropped um, – who'd you drop down? You said Khalil Watson, Ty Madden, and Christian Franklin. Yes. Are we yes. still looking for those guys? And then – Let's dive into your top three options for each of you because you are the experts. So I'm going to say Ty Madden and Kelly Watson. Those two, I'm still very high on. I still think that if those two are available, right? I mean, Kelly Watson to me is now the number one. But if those two are available, I would be very happy. But with that, with Christian Franklin, he kind of struggled a lot this, what's a college world series? Not yet, but like super regionals and just, the NCAA tournament in general, he kind of struggled. And now my third guy pretty much shifts to Sal Freelick and from Boston College. I really like, I would say if, if I were to describe Sal Freelick, he's kind of like a more polished Garrett Hampson. He's got that 70 grade run, which is absolutely insane, but also does it at like an insane, he also does it at an insane on-base ability as well. He gets on base a lot via walk, but he has the ability to spray line drives everywhere and, and just in general i'm very intrigued at him as a coors field fit he's the for sure a lead off hitter for the future and at center field with that 70 grade run he should have the potential to be a really good defender as well so i i like it it's kind of so moving one out and putting one in where are you sitting yeah. at tyler we actually I, I'm definitely siding with, with Scrax on this one. Those are three guys I'd love to target. I will toss in another name, and we kind of discussed this really briefly before the podcast in, in uh, the DMs, is Jackson Job. And I know as Rockies fans, we've got the, the Riley Pint experience fresh in our memories of a prep arm, really highly touted, just struggled to develop beyond like that, that early stage. But with Jackson Job, I think – those worries are kind of you're able to put them to the side a bit because he's a lot more polished than Riley Pint was like Riley Pint was was playing in and not to knock like any of these guys but he was playing in at lower levels of competition in Kansas like he could just blow guys away with heat uh, but Jackson Job, I believe he's from Georgia if I'm not mistaken I Which might be wrong it? but I know at least he's from an area that has more talent overall and you see with his stuff, his slider, I think, has been graded as one of the best sliders, prep or college pitchers, in a few years. And I think he's definitely the best prep arm since Mackenzie Gore and Hunter Green. Um, so I think the floor with Job is relatively high. I think he could compete against, um, like, full-season competition right now. I think his fastball and slider could honestly play against, like, big leaguers right now. I don't think he'd be necessarily successful, but I think in, like, a simulated game, I think he could – he could handle big league hitters 
uh, with just his fastball and slider. The slider is, is just ridiculous. Um, but he's got potential with the curveball and changeup too. So Job is one of these. I just like the upside a lot. And I think we need that high upside college or not college, the high school guys to kind of line up with like Veen and Romo uh, on the timeline. But he, he is from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, okay, that's right. I'm sure yeah, you I mean, can get some Texas teams. We've seen a lot of, of Oklahoma talent like John Gray, um, Dylan Bundy. I know those guys are both big yeah. Oklahoma prospects. Um, maybe Jackson Job is next. So, uh, But I love, I love the other guys that Scrax brought up too. Like Khalil Watson, I think, is just the hope and dream right now. Oh, yeah, so, sure. so then I guess my question, So, but before the question, Job, He's sitting at what 96 mile per hour fastball with a high spin slider. It's how does a high schooler do that? But that's <laughs> another conversation. It's incredible what these athletes can do. Who of these four people, Khalil, Madden, um, Franklin, and Joe, how who's the most likely to actually fall to us at eight? I I mean, of those, I'd say. Freelick is probably the most likely, quote unquote, but Madden, yeah, Madden also would work there too. Because I'd say with Watson and with Job, they can very easily be taken in the picks before us, right? While Ty Madden and Sal Freelick, they could, but I don't think it's just they're as highly touted as the two Watson and Job. Yeah, I think both are like the underslot candidates. Like if a team in the top five or just in the top seven, wants to get a player they can sign under slot value. They might go Ty Madden or Sal Freelick, but um, I'd say if that's not the case, those guys are both going to be available. But Khalil Watson, I think he could go in the top three for all we know, just because teams are really high on those shortstops. Uh, Job could go in just the same too. So, yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll definitely have a chance at at least one, if not both, Madden and Freelick. And are you are you bold enough to say whoever we draft this year is a franchise changing talent? Are if you it's, can you put yourself out there? If it's Watson, it might he could be because just in the way that where he's just a young, exciting player, kind of like how Tatis is to the Padres. Now I'm not saying Watson is Tatis at all, but he's just this like this heart and soul player, I guess, kind of like Nolan was. He hits at a very high level. He does have some swing and miss, but other than that, he, he'll he just bomb stuff to all parts of the field. His power grade has really gone up since the start of the year, I'm pretty sure. And he does it all with great fielding. So I think Khalil Watson is like a shortstop, a franchise shortstop, the next one past story. So Watson for sure, I would agree. The Watson's the franchise. And you you just upset yeah. a lot of Rockies fans there. You dropped a Tatis name and a Nato name. <laughs> Dang, Scrax. <laughs> yeah, and I think that this year, I think there's, and this works out for the Rockies, I think there's eight players in this draft that are truly like those those guys you want to throw the franchise label on. You've got the the prep shortstops, of course. You've got Lighter and Rocker. You've got Henry Davis. And I think you could I think you could lump Job into there as like that top eight, that those are really elite talents. Um I don't I guess with Watson and Freelick, you don't know exactly what their their ceiling is. I think both are pretty high ceiling players, but um I think no matter what though, if the Rockies choose to pass up on whoever falls to them out of that top eight for like Madden or Freelick, you gotta know they're really high on those guys and, and believe they can be franchise altering players. 
you know, with whoever's left in the front office. They say that again. That's a, that's a talk for another podcast. I think it's, it's worth a whole like 20 minutes of just talking about it. Seriously. They might hear this and call us. I don't know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, so there's a few names. What are some, give me some names. I might be putting you on the spot. We'll end it with this. What are some names that we should look in for like the second or third round? So I can enjoy that entire weekend of like looking forward to when we mess up and we get Jordan Wicks instead of like free liquor Madden. <laughs> in the top eight like give me one or two names i should be looking at in the second round i mean like at the start of the year i was really high on Jaden hill and then he got injured and then everything kind of messed up but like we could still take a like a flyer on him you know he's still got that big fastball although there was a little concern with it he's still got a pretty good change up his control is a little wonky but overall right he has put he has ace potential he was ranked up there with kumar rocker at the start of the year right and mm-hmm. if he falls to us in the second round then i might take a chance on him actually yeah i think and even christian franklin who we just mentioned i think he probably ends up in the first round but i think there's a chance like a close to like a 50 50 shot that he's he slips out of the first round um, and could be on the board for the Rockies. He'd be a great five-tool talent to try and target. But I actually wrote um, an, an article for one of the sites I contribute for just about guys I think that could sneak into the first round. And so those are all guys I think are, are those second-round targets. So the main guy that stands out to me is Trey Sweeney. Um, he's, he's definitely lesser known. He didn't play for like one of the – like an SEC school or anything like that. I think, I think he's from Eastern Illinois. But yep. he just – he walked like 20% of the time this year, struck out just 10% of the time, big time, not big time, but he's got legit power. That could be like 25, 30 home run power in the pros. Um, defensively doesn't have like that great profile, but he he'll play pretty solid defense either at third or second. So, um, but I think just the pure hitting would be amazing to get in the second round. All right. You heard it here first, looking for those guys coming up. It was Freeney and Jaden Hill or Sweeney and Hill looking for those guys in the second or third round. All right, cool. Anything else you guys want to add for the cause? Anything, any scraxy movements on the GM market? Any other little prospects I should be watching, Tyler? Uh, in terms of GM stuff, I've been trying to work on a Crone Trade article, but like every time I start on one, he gets into a weird slump and then I'm like, okay, maybe his value is not that bad. And then he'll heat up again. I'm like, oh, okay. I think maybe I was right. So I'll try to find a balance there and then finally release something on Crone. But right. yeah. <laughs> Look out for a Crone, Crone, uh, trade. I like that. Yeah. He's so streaky right now. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. to do. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. But I know, I know Scrax, he's big on the tank, and I'm, I, I am too. I think we all kind of just got to be, be rooting for a, a high pick while we're in this down year. But think about it. Last year, picked in the top 10, picking in the top 10 this year. Definitely going to pick in the top 10 next year. I think that could continue another year or two. So we got pain right now, but we'll be back kind of in a, in a position where we've got a top five, top 10 farm in two or three years. That'll be a lot of hope, so. Um, this will be a fun week, though. We, well, not fun week. It's not this week. But when the draft comes, it's going to be a fun time for Rockies fans. July 11th. Mark your calendars. Um, I, I will be watching. I will be paying attention to this. It'll be fun. Sweet. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Scraxy, for stopping by and sharing your knowledge, our resident experts. And um, yeah. go Rocks!
Woo! Thank you for tuning in. Find more content at BlakeStreetBanter.com.